Hey, welcome back everybody. I hope you enjoyed our break music. Again, Hard Look is awesome and we love hearing from this guy. But we still want to round out some content and go beyond just one hour for those of you listening that have a longer commute. And I got some rage fuel. Also, funny rage fuel. You might remember uh, a while back, uh, Miles and I covered this uh, Boomer Christianity website. Not not the people that said the Bible was the mark of the beast. This kind of uh, early 2000s HTML, just getting off the ground kind of website that was clearly just this extreme confetti of all these old Boomer Baptist takes. And someone pointed to me an article on one of these websites from Jesus-is-savior.com. Lutheranism exposed. Oh no. You guys ready for me to get exposed? For Lutherans everywhere for our dastardly agenda? Getting exposed? <gasps> Let's get right into it. This is by David J. Stewart. Um, May 2005. Now let's just, let's just read this and let's just bask in it. We'll read it by sections and respond, but... I don't know, guys. I'm a little afraid because my evil, hidden, NWO, lizard person agenda is about to be exposed. Let's get into this. Lutheranism exposed. Lutheranism is straight out of the pits of hell. I will not defend any religion that adds works to faith alone in Jesus Christ. When I was growing up in a Baptist church, I had always been taught that Martin Luther was a former Roman Catholic priest who realized one day that salvation is through faith and not works. I held that view into my childhood. I always thought Martin Luther was a good guy because that's what I had been taught. Then one day, I was greatly saddened when I learned about the catechisms of Martin Luther and his heresies concerning salvation. Without a doubt, Martin Luther was no Christian. It will be obvious to you after reading my article that Martin Luther may have come out of Catholicism, but Catholicism did not come out of Martin Luther. The Lutheran religion is nothing more than a spin-off of Catholicism. I am going to give you a lot of information here, irrefutable facts about the cult of Lutheranism. I am not trying to be judgmental, I am simply exposing damnable heresies that are going to condemn hundreds of millions of people to hell if they don't come out of the Lutheran religion. It's not a church. Guy's going a little aggro to start out there, right? So first off, what's his thesis statement? I will not defend any religion that adds works to faith alone in Jesus Christ. So this guy, David J. Stewart, wants to let you know and everybody know that Lutheranism violates sola Fide. Now that's a little odd because let me go ahead and just open up our Augsburg Confession here. And let's see, um, what our uh, Augsburg Confession, right? What does it say in Article 4? Usually uh, that's the first page of it. 
Article 4. Justification. It is also taught among us that we cannot obtain forgiveness of sin and righteousness before God by our own merits, works, or satisfactions, but that we receive forgiveness of sin and become righteous before God by grace for Christ's sake through faith. When we believe that Christ suffered for us and that for his sake our sin is forgiven and righteousness and eternal life are given to us. For God will regard and reckon this faith as righteousness, as Paul says in Romans 3 verses 21 through 26 and chapter 4 verse 5. So right there, first page of the document that almost all Lutherans universally hold to, the Augsburg Confession, this this little track that says this is what Lutherans are, this is the, the basic panoply of what we believe, right there, we believe that you are not saved by your works. You are saved by God's grace through faith alone. That be faith being in Christ alone. Okay. So, here to tell everybody. I know we've been exposed. In the exposing time. The super exp exposition here is just getting started. But just so this guy knows, we believe in salvation by faith alone. In justification by faith alone. But... Let's keep going. Let's see. Maybe he's maybe he's got some dirty secrets that he's about to expose. The exposing. <clears throat> next, our uh, next part of this article here: Mary worship, though not all, not to the idolatrous extent that the Catholics idolize Mary. The Lutherans follow in the same adulterous steps of the great whore Roman Catholicism. The photo at the right is one depiction of the Lutheran Mary. Though the halo around Mary's head is missing, it's still disconcerting and unbiblical for anyone to recognize her at all. Mary is no more to be praised than any other godly mother. In a poem entitled Swept Up in Joy by David Miller, a Lutheran minister, he says the following... I tried to pray through my distress as the choir sang of Mary. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with me, but my thoughts connected only with my anxiety. Hail, favored one? Excuse me, but where in the Bible are we ever commanded to recognize Mary at all? Jesus never even hinted for anyone to praise Mary. This is a man-made tradition! And it came out of the great horror of Catholicism. Just as Catholics deny that they worship Mary, which they obviously do, so do the Lutherans deny that they worship Mary to a lesser degree. Barbara Owen, a member of Our Shepherd Lutheran Church, Annapolis, Maryland, is the editor of Daily Readings from Luther's Writings, Augsburg Fortress. The following quotes are from her article, Luther on Mary, quote, The scriptures always point to Christ as the one who saves. Luther characteristically said, Oh, how many kisses we bestowed on Mary, but she did not redeem and save me. But Luther also honored Mary and her unique place in all of humankind. He insisted the festivals of the purification and annunciation of Mary may be continued, and for the time being her assumption and nativity. He could even imagine her as a heavenly intercessor. 
the first couple of sentences are okay, and this is all that most people see when they look at Lutheranism, but take a look at the sentences which follow. This is shocking. Martin Luther said that he could even imagine Mary as a heavenly intercessor. Folks, that's devilish doctrine. In one breath, Martin Luther admits that Mary cannot redeem anyone, and in the next breath he speaks blasphemy against God. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5 Mary is not an intercessor, and you had better get that straight because Martin Luther was a doctrinal mess. Here is a whole bunch of demon doctrine from Martin Luther. The source is from the same article above, Luther on Mary, quote. Luther noted Mary's humility. So the wondrous pure spirit of Mary is worthy of even greater praise, because having such overwhelming honors heaped upon her head, she does not let them tempt her to pride. In truth, she thrusts pride and honor from her and would have us honor God in her and come through her to a good confidence in his grace. Mary is a model for us and a comfort. Luther wrote, O blessed virgin, mother of God, what great comfort God has shown us in you by so graciously regarding your unworthiness and low estate. This encourages us to believe that henceforth he will not despise us poor and lowly ones, but graciously regard us also according to your example. Mary isn't a goddess who could grant gifts or render aid, as some suppose when they pray and flee to her, rather than to God, Luther wrote. She does nothing. God does all. We ought to call upon her that for her sake God may grant and do what we request. Luther biographer Martin Brecht describes Luther's thoughts. Mary is the model for believers and, above all, the example of God's action. It is God's grace that we are to admire in Mary, nothing else. Through faith, Luther wrote, a person may boast of such treasure as that Mary is his real mother, Christ his brother, and God his father. By this token you sit assuredly in the Virgin Mary's lap and are her dear child. The Catholics teach that Mary is a co-redeemer with Christ. And of course, that is a lie of the devil. Jesus is the only redeemer. Though the Lutherans deny this heresy, they are woefully guilty of creating their own heresy by praying to Mary. Did you read what Luther said above? We ought to call upon her that for her sake God may grant and do what we request. Heresy! Show me that in the word of God. I triple dog dare you to show me one verse in the Bible that says we should pray, admire, praise, or seek to contact Jesus' mother in any way. You cannot. Show me where the Bible teaches that we should expect God to answer our prayers for Mary's sake. The Lutheran church is no church, but a bastard child of the mother of harlots. Parentheses. Roman Catholicism. and parentheses. Luther prayed, O blessed virgin mother of God, what great comfort God has shown us in you. Like I said, Catholicism never came out of Martin Luther. Even more sickening is Luther's comment above, a person may boast of such treasure as that Mary is his real mother, Christ his brother, and God his father. Whoa! 
Martin Luther is guilty of the same thing that Roman Catholics are guilty of. Elevating Mary. Martin Luther speaks out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, he tells us that Mary does nothing, yet we should praise her greatly. But what does the Bible say? I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. Will I not give to another? Neither my praise nor to graven images. Isaiah 42 verse 8. If Martin Luther were alive today, he would be another ecumenical heretic like Billy Graham. <laughs> Read the shocking heresy found at http colon backslash backslash orthodox lutheran dot fs fws one dot com let me restart that http colon backslash backslash orthodox lutheran dot fws one dot com backslash bvm backslash books dot html dot 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 in 1996, Pope John Paul II concluded that the title Mother of God proclaims the nobility of woman and her very high vocation. God, in effect, treats Mary as a free and responsible person and does not fulfill the incarnation of his son until after he has obtained her consent. Lutherans fully agree with this understanding of Mary. Are you getting this? Lutherans believe that God could not come to the earth incarnate without Mary's permission. You'll read the Bible, you'll quickly learn that Mary was already pregnant before she or Joseph knew what was going on. God did not need or ask for Mary's permission. Lutherans are basically unofficial Catholics. They read out of the Apocrypha like the Catholics. They recognize Catholic saints, holidays, and festivals. They baptize infants like the Catholics. And thus ends the section on Mariology. So real quick, let's address that here. So first off, Lutherans don't pray to Mary. We just don't. We do have a higher Mariology than other Protestants. That much is true, right? So when, uh, when he... Uh, he quotes, I tried to pray through my distress, the choir sang of Mary, this guy David Miller. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with thee, but my thoughts connected only with my anxiety. This David Miller, this Lutheran minister, sounds like he's not finding anything good or anything but anxiety when he used to call upon Mary. Maybe he's a former Catholic, right? But he... This guy, uh, Mr. Uh, David J. Stewart here, sees that as like, oh no, it's coming out. This is the truth that Lutherans are secretly like Catholics or something. But that's, that's no matter. Let's go here on what he's talking about with the actual words of Martin Luther. Uh, Luther said, he honored Mary in her unique place in all of humankind. He insisted the festivals of the purification and annunciation of Mary may be continued and for the time being her assumption in nativity. He could even imagine her as a heavenly intercessor. So, Mr. Stewart here is very mad at the thought of Mary interceding for us. But I want to go to the book of Hebrews there uh, in chapter 12 and Maybe it's not just, it's not so simple as citing Timothy here and saying there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, 
in Hebrews chapter 12, right, Hebrews 11 being the hall of faith, right, uh, it says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in Hebrews chapter 12, there is a cloud of witnesses, people who are saints, people in heaven at this very moment, who bear witness to the truth of the faith. And that's everybody that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, and there are countless others. It makes sense to me that these people who are in heaven, in glory, might pray to God. They could maybe pray to the Lord for our benefit. And now, does that mean we should pray to them? Absolutely not. But when you think about intercession here and the possibility of Mary being among those in the cloud of witnesses who pray for us here in the church, it seems to me that that's perfectly reasonable. So Martin Luther isn't blaspheming when he says he could imagine Mary being a heavenly intercessor because Martin Luther could also imagine his dead father being a heavenly intercessor. Now, regarding that verse, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. If you honestly believe any intercession is a sin because of this verse, then don't ever ask people to pray for you. You are asking another human being to intercede, asking our Heavenly Father to help on their account and on account, account of Christ. If, that's, if we honestly look at it with this immature idea that any sort of intercession, then a pastor praying for his congregation is actually a heretic that should be expelled. And heaven forbid we should say anything like that. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it's one mediator between God and men. If mankind is a collective. Who is it that obtains our salvation through that mediation, through that intercession that is our Lord Jesus Christ? And absolutely, we look to him as the author and finisher of our faith, our salvation. We look to Christ. Lutherans do not pray to Mary. Yes, there is some goofiness with the Finnish Lutherans doing the quote-unquote pre-Trent Hail Mary, but even that isn't meant to be a prayer to Mary. But again, he says some things here, like the wondrous pure spirit of Mary is worthy of even greater praise because having such overwhelming honors heaped upon her head, she does not let them tempt her to pride. Meaning, look, at the end of the day, Mary is special. Even as a Protestant, it is okay to say that. Has any other human being in all of history, the billions and billions of people out there, have any of them been told, you are going to be pregnant as a virgin with the Savior of all mankind? Of anybody who puts their faith in him, are, are, has anybody been told that? No. That makes Mary one of a kind. But does Mary, in anywhere in Scripture, ever demand honor from human beings? Absolutely not. She was an excruciatingly humble woman. It's good to say, this is somebody who uh, had Jesus 
her entire life, ever since she gave birth to our Savior, this is somebody who was in the presence of God. And so in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see her always kind of following Jesus around. That's special. That's good. Doesn't mean that she is our mediatrix. I don't call her co-redemptrix. Don't call her mediatrix. I don't call her the queen of heaven. But it's okay to say Mary was special, even if you're not a Roman Catholic. But uh, even though Luther already denied in the quote here that this guy's got, he said, Mary isn't a goddess who could grant gifts or render aid, as some suppose when they pray and flee to her rather than to God. She does nothing, God does all. So, in that same quote, right, she, uh, Luther says, We ought to call upon her that for her sake God may grant and do what we request. Now, is that really Luther saying, A, don't call upon Mary, and then B, do call upon Mary? Is that Luther contradicting himself in the same stinking sentence? Absolutely not. Well, Luther, when he talks about calling upon somebody that isn't God, it's not asking for some sort of request, right? This is saying, God, I see what you did for Mary. I see what you did for King David. I see what you did for Moses and for Joseph. And I see what you did for St. Jude. And I, I want that same grace on me. Please give me the same strength you gave them. Please give me the same blessings you gave them. And please um, teach me to not sin the same way you taught them. That's not Luther saying in one sentence, you know, she's not a goddess who can grant gifts or render aid, so don't pray to her. And then saying, by the way, you should pray to her. If it was, then this is woefully in the beginning of Luther's ministry. Something that uh, the author here probably didn't take into account the context of when Luther wrote what. There was a period when his theology was rapidly changing as he started reading the Bible a whole lot more. He still, to the end of his ministry, near his death, was preaching sermons telling people, yes, Mary's special, but don't pray to her because she's not a goddess. All right? Now, uh, this guy also, in his article, he claims... The, uh, this quote really just grinds his gears. Through faith, Luther wrote, A person may boast of such treasure as that Mary is his real mother, Christ his brother, and God his father. Why is that? Well, let's go back to the scriptures. Let's go back to the Bible, because Lutherans, strictly speaking, should be about the Bible. Even confessional ones, by the way. If you're a confessional Lutheran, like myself, please spend more time in the Bible than the confessions. Please spend more time reading Holy Scripture than you do the formula of Concord. Anyway, keeping that in mind, like again, we are all about Scripture. And what does Scripture say about our baptism? It says um, in verse one, uh, 4 of Romans chapter 6, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So, the scriptures proclaim that your baptism unites you to Jesus. There is a sense, a sort of um, real, but also really hard to understand sense where you are united to Jesus Christ in your baptism. And in uh, Galatians chapter 3, it says, All who have been baptized into Christ have put on the Lord Christ. And if you're united to Jesus, are you united to the whole Jesus? Remember, he is fully God and fully man in what's called the hypostatic union. We're not Nestorians. We don't believe that there's two persons to the one Christ, you know. The, the Logos person and the Jesus person have this kind of like parallel union for a while in the earth, earthly ministry. That's heresy. So I can't say that we're only united to Christ in a, uh, in a spiritual sense only. No, no, you really are united to Jesus. And that means Mary, Christ's mother, since you are united to Christ the whole Christ, both the divine and human nature, that means, yes, God the Father is truly your heavenly Father. And they call this adoption. <laughs> there is an adoption where God the Father adopts you into his family. And then, yes, in a certain sense, Mary really is a mother to you. It's not controversial. Because in all honesty, the, the Roman Catholic might reply then, well, how do we honor our mother? We have to go to her and everything. And I honestly think the best way to honor your mother, Mary, is to pray to the God that she points you to, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. Mary says, yep, that's the one I worship. And if I'm your mother, please honor me and worship them too. There you go. Luther is not saying anything that... Christians hadn't confessed before for 1,500 years. He's just going out and saying it. But this guy, I don't think he's thinking about that very deeply. Because he has some opinions on baptism. And the way Lutherans see baptism. So let's get into this next article. Baptismal regeneration heresy! Mm, okay. Starting off strong, isn't he? According to the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America on their baptism page, and holy baptism, sorry, it's hard for me to do a voice appropriate to Elka when this is like the one paragraph in all of Elka that's kind of okay. <clears throat> in holy baptism, God liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Born children of a fallen humanity, in the baptismal waters we become God's reborn children and inherit eternal life. By water and the Holy Spirit we are made members of the church, which is Christ's body. As we live with him and with his people, we grow in faith, love, and obedience to God's will. See, I... Isn't that amazing? Even the ELCA is saying what is, strictly speaking, true. Yes, in holy baptism, God liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, most of whom are godless heretics, admits that, yes, this is what the scripture says about baptism. I just read it to you from the book of Romans. 
But what's the response uh, continuing in this article? That is a lie of the devil! Our sins are not forgiven when we are baptized! What does the Bible teach? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. I don't see anything in there about being baptized! Romans 10.13 is very clear. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why are the Lutherans teaching damnable heresy by adding to the work of baptism to faith in Christ? By the way, the Lutherans, as do the Catholics, make baptism a sacrament. The Bible only teaches baptism as an ordinance. Luther's large catechism, Article 6, Line 83, instructs that baptism overcomes and takes away sin. The following is quoted from the <coughs> Augsburg Confession, what evangelical Lutherans believe, teach, and confess. Article 9. Baptism. We believe, teach, and confess that baptism with water in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is necessary because Christ commanded it so, and that the grace of God, forgiveness and renewal, is offered through it. Matthew 28, verse 29, John Chapter 3, verse 5, Ephesians 5, verse 26, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Children should also be baptized, for in their being offered to God through baptism, they too are received into his grace. Mark 10, 14, and Acts 2, 38 and 39. Lutherans teach the heresy that baptism is necessary for salvation, but the Bible clearly denies such foolishness. Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon against baptismal regeneration. In 1 Corinthians 1.17, the Apostle Paul firmly declares, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Surely Paul would not have made such a statement if baptism were essential to being saved. I actually heard a Church of Christ minister insist that the Apostle Paul had assistants who baptized the converts. The Bible never teaches any such foolishness. By the way, the Church of Christ is straight out of the pits of hell, too. Danger! The world is filled with deceptive cults. Lutheranism is dangerous! The Seventh-day Adventists, parentheses, S-D-A, apostrophe S, end parentheses, actually teach you that you need to get born again. They believe that Jesus is God. They believe in the Godhead. Unfortunately, they also teach that trusting Christ is not enough in and of itself to be saved. SDAs believe that one has to be deemed worthy by Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven. My point is that the Seventh-day Adventists come so close to looking like they're Christians that it's scary. They are a cult. Lutheranism is also a cult, though much less obvious to the person who is not knowledgeable of the word of God rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 And that's the section on baptismal regeneration. So, um, I absolutely love that he he says that this is a lie of the devil. Even when Elka, Elka, we all know that the ELCA is a kooky, messed up, really screwed up, totally non-Lutheran group. Um, but when he says our sins are not forgiven when we are baptized, I want to point him to 
the scriptures. And what do the scriptures say in Acts chapter 2, verse 38? In fact, let's go ahead and read that uh, with verse 39 too. Acts 2, 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom our Lord God calls to himself. Oh, really? So wait, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Meaning, baptism has something to do with the forgiveness of our sins. How does that work? Because right, we understand Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. Yes. How is that forgiveness applied to you as an individual? In your baptism. That's just how it works. That's Holy Scripture. So this guy wants to claim that baptism doesn't forgive, and there's nothing like that uh, in, in the Bible. And he cites Romans 10, 13. You know, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hmm, I wonder if somebody who calls upon the name of the Lord without having been baptized, maybe God arranges for them to be baptized, because that's how Jesus says you make disciples. In the Great Commission, go into every nation uh, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Sounds to me like you make disciples starting with baptism. Hmm, okay. So this guy clearly, does, he, he's not about the Bible so much as he is about being a Baptist. So... He says, uh, Lutherans teach the heresy that baptism is necessary for salvation, but the Bible clearly denies such foolishness. My response is, is if Jesus told you to be baptized, it's necessary. Is it possible for someone to be saved that was not baptized? Sure, God can do anything. But if Jesus tells you to do something, it's necessary. He wouldn't tell you to go get baptized and to do the whole baptism thing if, in fact, it wasn't necessary. Jesus is not some foppish weirdo that just tells us stuff willy-nilly and doesn't mean it. He's God. But it's funny that he never addresses 1 Peter chapter 3, where St. Peter says, Baptism now saves you. 1 Peter 3 verse 21. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Meaning, God gives us that good conscience because the forgiveness of our sins is applied to us in our baptism. Now, if he says this violates salvation, you know, justification by faith alone, the problem is, is he doesn't understand the human being does not enact the sacramental efficacy of baptism. God does. I don't accidentally baptize my kid, my little baby boy, whenever I, you know, me or my wife gives him a bath. St. Peter says, no, it's not about the dirt getting removed from the body. You're not saved by being clean. 
It is what God does to you when he baptizes you. It's not rocket science. But this guy, really, he, he prides himself on having done some study, I guess. But um, he's not actually reading stuff. He's just reading until he gets mad and then types. That seems to be his process. But let's go ahead and get into his next section. Let's see how he goes. Holy Communion Eucharist Heresy. Lutherans believe that the Holy Communion is absolutely necessary to their salvation. Martin Luther made this clear in his catechism writings and so did the Augsburg Confessions as follows. Article 10. The Holy Supper of Our Lord. We believe, teach, and confess that bread and wine distributed and received in the Holy Supper for the forgiveness of sins and for eternal life are truly the body and blood of Christ. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, Luke 22, verses 19 through 20, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, and John 6, 48 through 58. This is damnable heresy. The Bible never teaches anything about a holy communion being necessary to our salvation. The Bible simply teaches the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. This is simply a time when the church stops everything from moving. A time out to remember what Jesus did for us upon the cross. We drink unfermented grape juice and eat unleavened bread. It is wrong to use ferment or yeast, which are mold, to represent the sinless, precious blood and body of our Lord and Savior. There is nothing magical about the Lord's Supper. It is just a time of remembrance. No more. It surely is not required for the forgiveness of sins or salvation. We obtain the forgiveness of sins by trusting in the blood which Jesus shed for us at Calvary in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1, verse 7. Where do the Lutherans come up with their heresies that you must be baptized and partake of the Holy Communion? Not from the Bible! The Lutheran Church has adopted the satanic traditions of the Vatican. Mary worship is wrong. The Lutherans can try to downplay their role in Mary worship, but they are guilty because the Bible never in any way leads us to recognize Mary at all. Hail Mary! Hail Satan! Alright, so let's go ahead and address that concern. So again, uh, when, it, when it comes to baptism, when people ask St. Peter, what must we do to be saved? He brings up baptism. So it is necessary. Now, something funny about this is this guy never addresses the verses that Holy Scripture brings up regarding communion. So why do Lutherans believe, as with most other traditional Christian branches, why do we believe that communion is so stinking special, that it is so necessary? Well, let's turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we'll go ahead and we'll read uh, 48 through 58 as the um, Augsburg Confession. You know, he brings it up. Let's go ahead and read it. John chapter 6, starting in verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. 
This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And my bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. <clears throat> now, people like Huldrych Zwingli said that, well, what is eating and drinking but believing for the soul? But if you go to the words of institution, <laughs> that's the only other time you really hear about eating Christ's body and drinking his blood. So let's go ahead and uh, go to Matthew chapter 26, where we actually read the words of institution. And we're going to read what our Lord Jesus Christ says about communion right then and there. So, sorry for a little bit of it. All right, so the institution of the Lord's Supper, Matthew 26, starting in verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and, after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, Jesus says, There is forgiveness of sins in the cup. When we partake of Holy Communion, Christ's body and blood are not there just so we can be quote-unquote cannibals. He says there is his merit. There is forgiveness there. We need the reassurance of our salvation. And do you get forgiveness without faith? Not really. So we must be forgiven of our sins and we must believe. Therefore, your faith is strengthened. And if eternal life is there. Jesus says in John 6, whoever eats my body and drinks my blood will live eternally, right? <laughs> Therefore, we understand we're not saved apart from faith, so Christ must be there to strengthen our faith and reassure us of the forgiveness of our sins. Again, not a human work. It is not the pastor or the priest who forces Jesus to come to the elements for the sacramental union. He might be waving the wafer around. He might be saying some stuff. But it is God who is acting there for the preservation of his people. So again, his thesis statement that he said at the beginning of this violates sola fide here just isn't true. But let's go on to his next section. <sighs> Confession and absolution. Wake up, folks. 
The Lutheran religion is a child of the great mother of whores, Catholicism. Again in the Augsburg Confessions, upon which the Lutherans admit their religion is based, we find more heresy. Article 11, Confession of Sins. We believe, teach, and confess that private absolution has a rightful place in the church and should be retained and not be allowed to fall into disuse. Matthew 16, verse 19, 18, verse 18, John 20, verses 21 through 23. However, in confession it is not necessary to remember all trespasses and sins, for this is impossible. Who can discern his errors? Psalm 19, verse 12. Another lie of the devil! We're supposed to confess our sins to God alone, never to a priest or pastor. The Bible does not record any human being ever forgiving sin other than the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew 9, verse 2. According to A.L. Berry, Dr. A.L. Berry, president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Lutherans are supposed to confess their sins to their church leaders, parentheses, pastors, and parentheses. The following quotes are taken from an article written by Dr. A.L. Berry titled, What About Confession and Absolution? What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we receive our sin, we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God Himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Forgiveness from the pastor is God Himself? You've got to be kidding! I'm amazed that anyone would even email me to ask what is wrong with the Lutheran religion. Listen, friend, your pastor is not capable of forgiving anyone. The Pope is a phony and cannot save or forgive anyone. And neither can your phony Lutheran minister. Do you know why the Lutheran religion is so popular? Simple, because it gives wannabe Catholics a scaled-down Catholic church. You got most of the traditions and doctrines of Catholicism repackaged into a less offensive religion. Lutheranism is nothing more than diet Catholicism. Lutheran ministers are just as arrogant as the beastly Catholic priests. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Wow! Now that's arrogant. So if your pastor doesn't like you and thinks you need to repent, he has a right to deny you forgiveness? I can't believe how arrogant these pastors are while hiding behind a cloak of humility and sincerity. It is a sin to confess your sins to any human being in an attempt to gain forgiveness. Quote, who can forgive sins but God alone? Luke 5.21 Your Lutheran pastor cannot forgive your sins. Jesus never gave any mortal man the power to forgive sin. Again, this is a Catholic tradition that the Lutherans have clung to. And for some strange reason, we Christians are slow to see what the devil is up to. I'm amazed at how few websites there are exposed 
exposing the heresies of the Lutheran false religion. Lutheran religion is even more dangerous than Roman Catholicism because it does claim salvation by grace through faith. But what people fail to realize is that every Lutheran also adds baptism and Holy Communion to that faith in Christ. It is no longer faith. There are an estimated 60 million Lutherans. Six, zero, 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 exclamation point. Lutheranism is one of the biggest cults in the world next to Buddhism, Islam, and Catholicism. Why are the churches silent? I am an independent fundamental Baptist. I wish I could wake up more Christians to contend for the faith against these less obvious cults like the Lutheran religion. It is a good indicator of the apostasy of our generation that so many believers actually think that Lutherans are Christians. Are you a Christian? Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? 2 Corinthians 13.5 The Apostle Paul didn't take any chances. He warned the people that churchianity doesn't give us Christianity. Sadly, I fear that most Lutherans have churchianity without Christianity. I can confidently say that if you follow the teachings of the Lutheran Church, that you will end up in hell. <coughs> Why? Because you are adding works to your faith. Romans 11.6 warns that you cannot be saved by grace and works. It's one or the other. For Lutherans to claim that they are not trusting in works while requiring baptism and Holy Communion for salvation is a hypocritical contradiction. On the surface, Lutherans speak of faith alone in Christ, but delve deeper into their beliefs and you'll find doctrines of devils, satanic Catholicism, straight from the depths of hell. Don't be fooled. Salvation can only be obtained through childlike faith in the Savior. Many Lutherans struggle with their beliefs because of the unsettling matter of baptism, holy communion, and faith. The Lutheran religion is confusing at best. They evidently want Christianity and Catholicism, but that is impossible. Catholicism is a cult, not Christian. Though the unsaved world considers Catholicism as Christian, the Bible clearly reveals that it is not. The best way to expose the darkness is to shine the light of God's word upon it. Lutheranism is a mess, a conglomerate of Catholicism's man-made traditions and biblical Christianity. The devil is a master deceiver and knows what, that he must corrupt the truth if he is to deceive the masses. Satan will not come to us in a direct lie. He always changes the truth. <clears throat> Stop it! Satan begins with the truth and then starts changing it into a lie. When the devil wants to create a false religion, he simply starts with Christianity as a template and then changes a little here and there until it is corrupted. Every false religion has elements of truth within it. The satanic Jehovah's Witnesses have some good articles and truths within their religion, yet they teach damnable heresies that curse people to hell's destruction. My point is that satanic lies are always found amongst truth. This is deliberate, just the way Satan wants it. The Bible is our only hope, a lamp unto our feet in this dark, miserable world of wickedness. And so ends the article, at least it appears. He has another article there on Lutheran lies. Please let me know if you want me to read that one too from this guy. Um, 
You know, when he says the Bible is our only hope, a lamp under our feet in the dark, miserable world of wickedness, I wish that he would start actually reading it. Let's go ahead and address what he said about uh, confession and absolution. He says, we are supposed to confess our sins to God alone, never to a priest or pastor. Well, I'm here to tell him that not only should you be confessing your sins to a priest or a pastor, the book of James makes it clear you should be confessing your sins to even your fellow Christians, your, your laity, right? Let's turn here to the book of James chapter 5 and see what James, you know, the guy that wrote Bible, what he has to say about that. So turning to James chapter 5, sorry for all the page turning, unless you like it, then you're welcome. James chapter 5, beginning in the 13th verse, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Oh, here's apostolic command telling you to confess your sins to one another. Hmm. Sounds to me like confession is pretty biblical, huh? But in, in case he uh, still isn't convinced that, by the way, yes, the office of the keys is a real thing. What does Jesus tell the apostles in John chapter 20? In John chapter 20, starting in verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Mm. So here is our Lord Jesus giving authority to the church to absolve or retain sins. Really makes you think about what the Bible says and how much it matches up to what Lutherans are saying. Isn't that right? Just, just Maybe just a little bit. But I, I do love, by the way, that uh, he actually does quote his Bible for his case. Luke 5.21, who can forgive sins but God alone? Now that's interesting. Because who is he quoting there? Let's uh, go here to Luke chapter 5 and read a little bit about what he was going for in his biblical case. <clears throat> Sorry, Luke 5.21. I was on uh, page 6 there, or chapter 6. So Luke chapter 5, let's go ahead and start in the 17th verse. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a, a bed, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in. Because of the crowd, they, they went up on the roof and let him down through with his bed, through the, through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
this guy, to build his case against Lutheranism, appeals to the Jews as if they got it right. What is he doing? Now, of course, Jesus responds here in verse 22. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. So, Jesus is God. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And I believe it's not outside the pale to think he could give that authority to other people, pronouncing the forgiveness of sins on his behalf. Of course, the actual power of forgiveness there is in Christ himself. The pastor isn't some super special dandy dude. But come on. So, again, his central thesis is that it's nothing more than he believes baptism and the Lord's Supper are human works. And therefore, by adding human works to faith in Christ, um, that suddenly means that Lutherans are diet Catholics. I mean, we are diet Catholics, guys. We just got to own that. We're non-caffeinated Catholics here. Uh, aspartame instead of sugar. You got me. Guilty as charged there. But for crying out loud, we're still Christians. Why? Because every single one of the things he complains about here, you can find right there in the Bible and you can't deny it. Anyway, as always, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful commute home. I hope you didn't wake up, I didn't wake up your kids with this uh, impression of this guy. But let me know if you want to hear more. God bless you, everybody. Amen and amen. Pugnus Pastorum. <laughs>